with Pastor Chinyama. Put your hands together as he comes, like one step to the pulpit. <laughs> and he, here he is. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Pastor Mel made me sound like an arsonist. He's going to put the house on fire. Uh, somebody call the fire brigade or call the police. We've got an arsonist in our midst. Hallelujah. It's a blessing to be, to be in the house of the Lord. It's a blessing to be with God's people. More specifically, God's children. God's children. It's, it's an honor to preach the word of God. It's a responsibility that is very huge. It's not something that I, I take lightly. God has a vested interest in every single one of us today. God has a vested interest in you. And you're, you're not here because of a mere coincidence. You are here because you have a divine appointment with destiny. Preaching the word of God is something that I love. I believe in the preaching of the word. I believe in the preaching of the word because I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe in Jesus Christ, which also means I believe in the church. And so every person that gets up to speak, that gets up to preach then, is somebody that has a message laid on their heart. There's a message that is placed on you, and you do your very best to try and communicate. Uh, now, one of the things that I've discovered over the years is that sometimes communication is not as effective as it should. Uh, in the sense that when I have something that I want to communicate with you, the idea is that you would receive what I have in the same manner that I intended it for you to receive it. Uh, because if I have a concept, if I have an idea, and I want to communicate it to you, but as I communicate it, you then have different thoughts, completely disconnected from what is being said, then my communication has not been effective. But I pray this morning that you are going to receive this word in the same way that I received it in my spirit. Oh, because it was powerful. So we're going to pray together and then we'll read some chunks of scripture. Our Father in heaven, we thank you today because it's the entrance of your word into our hearts that brings light and gives us understanding. This is the day that you have made. And we choose today to rejoice and be, be glad in it. Now we thank you, Lord, that this word is alive and it's active. 
that today, Lord, we are going to be, we're going to be changed into your likeness with ever-increasing glory that comes from you, the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are ready, Lord. Our hearts are ready. Our minds are alert. We tune off everything that is not of you. We shut down every voice right now that is not of you. We silence the enemy in the mighty name of Jesus. And we speak the name of Jesus over every situation, over every person, mighty God, over everything that they are dealing with. We speak the name of Jesus because it's the name that's above every name and it's a name full of power. It's in that name that we pray today in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Mm -hmm. fully alive in Christ, fully alive in Christ, fully alive in Christ. We're looking at what Christ did, the, the assignment that he had when he came to earth. You know, how that he was born, a virgin birth, and, 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 and he was around doing the normal things that everybody did. The Bible says he was referred to as the son of Joseph the carpenter. This Jesus then who then stepped out into full ministry is the same Jesus then who was arrested because of his mission. He was arrested, and then he was flogged. He was disfigured. Uh, the Bible says Isaiah paints us a picture. He says, oh, he was like one from whom men hide their faces. There was no beauty or majesty in him. We looked at him and we looked away. The Bible says he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. The punishment that brought us peace was laid up upon him. And by his wounds we are, this is the Jesus I'm talking about. So in, in Luke chapter 4, then Luke chapter 4 verse 14 to 17. What I have this morning is, uh, you know how sometimes you go in those restaurants and, you know, the fancy ones, and they have something called tapas, and they, they bring these little portions. Uh, they frustrate me, but I can tell you that. They I'm like, just give me the whole meal together. I want to eat. They bring a little, uh, you taste, you eat, and then it goes, and then they come again. That's how this message is going to be. I'm going to serve it in, you know, in little portions, but they are nutritious portions, and then... We will wrap it up all together in the end. Luke chapter 4, 14 to, yeah, um, we'll read 14 to 19. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Ha, look at that, look at that. In the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and every Everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. If you have a paper Bible, but I don't see anyone with a paper Bible, I was going to say underline it. Back in the day, I would say, get your Bible, underline it. Highlight that, highlight that. Ah, highlight that. It says, as was his custom. So Jesus Christ had the custom of going into the synagogue. Jesus Christ had the custom of going into a place of worship. Jesus Christ had a custom. He had a habit. Uh, you see, the challenge with us today in the 21st century Western world church is we are, most of us, speaking generally, we are part-time believers who want a full-time God. Part-time believers, uh, but we want a full-time God. We want him to be on call 24-7. God, when I beckon, you show up. But when you call me, uh, I, got, I got stuff to do. I'm busy. You know, it's a busy life, Lord. You understand. You know how it is. I got a hustle. 
Gotta do what I gotta do. Brother, gotta do what I gotta do. Uh, but when I beckon you, I want you to come. The Bible here says Jesus Christ was in the synagogue as was his custom. That alone will preach. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Every year is the year of the Lord's favor. Come on now. Every year is the year of the Lord's favor. And this is because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, one thing that I want you to know right from the onset is this. Is that in order for you to be fully alive, you are going to need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within your spirit, within your soul, within your being. The Lord Jesus Christ, my first point, uh, the, the first serving of what I said I was going to serve. The Lord Jesus Christ launched his earthly ministry on the foundation of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this thing. The Holy Jesus Christ launched his earthly ministry on the foundation of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He had to be anointed in order for him to launch out and begin to do what he came for. And one thing that you see when you, look, when, when you, when you read this text in its context, and that's found in Isaiah, Isaiah 61. It's interesting because the prophet Isaiah, you know, obviously being prophetic, he sees in the spirit and he receives this revelation and he writes it. He pens it. Now, historically, G Jesus Christ and Isaiah are 700 years apart. So there wasn't any sort of collab going on here. Like, oh, gee, you know, you know I'm, I'm going to write this and then I'll flick it to you in a text message. And then you can just get up and recite it. So Jesus Christ locates himself in the word and he finds these words. And what's, what's very interesting is that on this particular day, he had just returned from the wilderness where he'd been fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. And he came, the Bible says, in the power of the spirit. And when he's handed this text, when he's handed this scroll, he finds where it is written. And when he recites these words, he says, the Bible records, it says, and the eyes of all were fixed on him. They, they, they were so amazed because when he, when he recited these words, they had life to them. They had power to them. It says, the eyes of all were fixed on him because they were marveled. And then he says this, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled at your hearing. In order to do 
what God has called you to do, you require the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the anointing? Uh -huh. I'm glad you asked. Thank you. Thank you. The anointing is the Holy Spirit coming to rest on the word of God. Every calling begins with the word. Every calling begins with the word. God calls you. God speaks to you. Whether you hear an audible voice or whether you, you draw it from the written text, it starts with a word. And when you receive the word and the word begins to marinate in your spirit as you wait upon the Lord and the word begins to stir up within you, the word then begins to bring about life. The Holy Spirit then will come and say, all right, you have been assigned, you've been called to do this. The Holy Spirit will come and he will rest on that word. And that is the anointing. It's a divine empowerment to fulfill a divine assignment. So anointing is not for fun. Anointing is for assignment. That's the first serving. Let's look at this text in, in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start reading from 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Ha, ha, come on, come on. Let's, let, let's hear. They reply, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. I'm going to give you a tip on how I study the word of God. So when I read, this is how my mind operates, this is how my mind works. When I read something like that, when, when I read to say people were confusing Jesus Christ to be John the Baptist, others were saying he's Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, then what I do is I then go on an extensive study on who John the Baptist is and Elijah. Because I want to see what is it about these characters that they were mistaken for Jesus. All right, so now the, 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 the thing is this. Everything about, about, this, about these characters that have just been mentioned is something that was embodied in Christ. And so John the Baptist had a little bit of Jesus that he revealed. Elijah had a little bit of Jesus that he revealed. Jeremiah had a little bit of Jesus that he revealed. And so now, when you look at all these characters, you find that there's a little bit of Jesus, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. No, 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 no. So there's a reason they are being mistaken to be, to be, to be Jesus. They say, oh, some say you are this. Well, some say you are this. Well, some say you are this. Because there's certain characteristics. There's certain things that Jesus would do. And you'd be like, that's a John the Baptist kind of thing there. Then he'll do something else like, that's just, just, that is just like Elijah. And then he'll do something else and say, mm, Jeremiah, Jeremiah is known as a weeping prophet. 
There's a lamentation that Jesus Christ makes. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kills the prophets and those that are sent to you. I won't come to you again until you recognize that I'm coming in the name of the Lord. But that's, that's for another day. But then there's this guy who, who speaks up. It says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. You know, there's a frequency of heaven. Uh, uh, there's something that I call the frequency of heaven. There's something I call the frequency of the Holy Spirit. That when you tap into that frequency, you begin to download things that no ear can hear physically. As you tune in with the Spirit of God, He begins to download into your spirit. The words of the pages of the Bible begin to jump out. Pastor Mel, as you sat there and the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and you're reading the word, the, page, the, the words begin to jump out of the pages of the, of the, of, of the Bible and, and, and something begins to, to happen within. The staring, you begin to get revelation uh, because revelation is simply the unveiling of that which has been covered. It's been there the whole time, but it's just being unveiled. And so Peter taps into, into a revelation here. Because Peter is foot and mouth disease kind of guy. The guy that will think it, hear it, and blurt. It just comes out. You know those people? Those people that have no filter? They don't have that little box where, where you, you gotta, you, you know, you have to, every person needs to have a little box where they quarantine their thoughts. Uh, you know, it comes out, you know what, let's just put you in quarantine for a little bit. Let's just suss you out. I don't think the world should know about you. But then there are other people, they don't have those little rooms for quarantine. It just comes out, it bleds. It comes, and then everybody's looking at, did, did he just say that? Did he just say that? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And if you watch the video, you find that he said it again. <sighs> anyway, let's move on. But then this is what Jesus Christ said. Jesus, Jesus replied, uh, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh and blood, by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Here it is, here it is, here it is. I underlined it for a reason. It says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. It says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay. Um, you know that scripture that I read earlier in Luke, where Jesus Christ is making reference to Isaiah 61? You know, when you read Isaiah 61, especially from verse 1 to 5, you'll find that that is the mission, that is the assignment, that is the purpose of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. These are the things Jesus Christ came to do. And if the assignment belongs to Jesus, guess what, dear friends? 
then it means that assignment belongs to the church. Uh -huh. So the assignment of the church, you see, we, we, may, we may organize in a corporate way, but the church is not a corporation. Mm -hmm. There may be social aspects and, and, and benefits of this gathering, but the church is not a social gathering. Come on, somebody. <laughs> the church is a living organism. It's this entity that Jesus Christ himself said he is going to build. And the reason Jesus Christ is so committed to building this entity called the church is because the church is a vehicle that knocks down the kingdom of darkness. Come on, somebody. So now when you understand the, 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 the assignment of Jesus and the assignment of the church, then you are going to love the church. Then you won't treat this as, you know, i got something else to do. I mean, if a better option comes up, I'm out of here. It's Sunday morning, but if I get the text, if I get the text, ah, we're canceling our family. Oh, we're going to the beach now. We're going to the beach. Because we are meeting with Uncle Jay and then Uncle Nin and yes, yeah, nothing wrong with Uncle Jay. But Uncle Jay needs to know that we are committed to the church. Uncle Jay needs to know that if we are gathering as a family, oh, the gathering start after 2 p.m. Um, we want a full-time God on a part-time attitude. On a part-time mentality. <laughs> and, and Jesus wants to change the world. And Jesus wants to redeem the world. And he says, you know what? Here's a down payment. I've done my part. Now you come through. I've done my part. Now you come through. So the church then, the church, ecclesia, the called out ones. In the world, but not of the world. The church should not be influenced by the world. But the church should be influencing the world. We should not be borrowing concepts out of the world to bring into the church. No matter how cool they may seem. Because this is different. It's this... Uh, Cataclysmic collision of divinity and humanity. The church, not perfect, not perfect, but oh, he died for this church. And he promised, he says, I will build my church. He's committed. He's committed. So phrases like, oh, the church hurt me. No, the church did not hurt you. Let's just be clear. The church did not hurt you. It's not perfect. Every family has got them. If you don't think your family has got one, it's because you are the one. <laughs> ah, yes. Every family has that. You know that uncle I'm talking about? You know that uncle? That one. <laughs> that one. If you don't think there is any in the family, most likely chances are that. You could be it. You could be the one. No. People are on a journey of sanctification. And so then what we need to do, what we need to learn to do, 
is to be graceful with one another. Because where I am strong, maybe you're weak. And where you're weak, maybe that's where I'm strong. But then together, we come fully alive. And we stand shoulder to shoulder, marching and claiming that which rightfully belongs to the kingdom of God, God's people that are out there. Feelings. Can we, can we talk about feelings? Is it, is it okay if we talk about talk about feelings? You know how many people have left church because of feelings? Because they have feelings? Well, <laughs> their feelings. And their feelings cause them to uproot themselves out of God's purpose, out of God's plan, because their feelings were hurt. Well, I'll tell you what you need to do with your feelings. I said, crucify them. Dead person feels no pain. Crucify them. Crucify your feelings. If he died on the cross for you, are you going to let your feelings hinder you from God's purpose for your life? The church is established on the revelation of Jesus as the Messiah. What does that mean? The anointed one and his anointing. Okay. So Jesus Christ launches on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then in talking about the church, he says, on this rock, on the revelation of him being the Christ, on the revelation of him being the Messiah, that is the basis upon which his church is going to be built. Not human concepts and ideas, good as they may be. The church is to be built on the revelation of Christ, the anointed one and his yoke-destroying anointing. And so then, it's the responsibility of the people that are in the church then to go into the word of God and, 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 and begin to, and begin to oh, you know how scripture says that uh, it's the glory of kings to, it says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. Search it out. Search it out. We were talking about revelation. To say revelation is just the unveiling. It's already there, but now it's uncovered. Now it's so it's a responsibility of the people in the church to go into the word of God and begin to ask, what does the word say about this situation? Because right now it's uh, truth is being treated as though it's relative. Feelings have been placed on a pedestal. Oh, if you can feel it, then it means you are. No, you're not. Did I just say that? 
refer all our emails to <laughs> Pastor Mel. <laughs> all emails directed to Pastor Mel and Pastor Jacob. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a postman. You know the guy that delivers with the yellow thing? I'm that guy to put on my Harvey's. So the church is establishing the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. The anointed one and his yoke destroying anointing. Okay, let's land this plan. Let's land this thing. The Holy Spirit is the activator and energizer of the church. And that's the reason when you look at the conception of the early church in Acts chapter, chapter 2, the Holy Spirit was there. And Jesus is very specific to the disciples. He says, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. In other words, don't leave Jerusalem until an empowerment of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Because it says, when he does that, when that happens, then you'll be my witnesses. In your local area. In Jerusalem. And then Judea. And then Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes to energize. The Holy Spirit comes to invigorate. The Holy Spirit comes to awaken. And so, there would have been a shuffling going on in the kingdom of darkness when Jesus Christ hung on that cross. And they verified that he was dead and they took that spear and they pierced his side and blood and water gushed out. The devil and his minions would have been shuffling in the kingdom of darkness. to say, yes, we got him, we got him, we got him. It's finished. And they took him down from that cross like we heard last time, Pastor Mel and Pastor Jacob preached. And they took him down and we sang in the song and they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. It had to be borrowed because he wasn't intending on overstaying. It says on the third day, on the third day, on the third day. You know, I used to, I used to watch this thing when I was in my, in my teenage years. Uh, we used to watch this restaurant called WWF. I know, I'm embarrassed to say it, but uh, it's, uh, it's so scripted, but I didn't know that, I thought it was real, uh, <laughs> I didn't know, can't, you, you, can't, you can't look at me like that, you know, I thought it was real, and, and you know, they would slam each other, they would have these chairs, and they would walk each other, and, and, and this guy would be beaten, and he'd be lying on the floor, and, and he'd be there in a, in a semi-paralysis state, and then suddenly, the, the camera would zoom in, and his fingers begin to move. <laughs> oh, he's coming alive. That's my picture of the resurrection. I know, it's bad, isn't it? That Jesus Christ lay there, wrapped in those grave clothes, and suddenly his, 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 his fingers, just one finger, the index finger just started. The Holy Spirit just came, and it came to life. And it said they had placed a rock in front of the entrance 
Uh, this is how my, my, my brain thinks. Work with me here. I'm thinking that's the starting point of rock and roll. <laughs> oh, you'll get it later. Um, this is what it says, this is what it says uh, in this um, scripture, the last one that we're going to, to read. Let's land this thing. It says, and if the spirit, Romans 8, 8, 11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ, Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Okay, we've been talking about being fully alive. So Jesus Christ resurrected and he was fully alive. But the mission, the assignment is half complete. If Jesus Christ is fully alive and the people that he died for haven't yet come to a place of being fully alive. The equation, friends, has got to be completed. And so if Jesus Christ is fully alive, it simply means that you and I have no choice in this matter but to be fully alive. But in order for us to be fully alive, we need to understand how it all began. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. So he launches his ministry on the, on the basis of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then he makes a commitment with his church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So then the church is built and established on the revelation of who Jesus Christ is as the Messiah. And then that same Holy Spirit who anointed him and launched him into earthly ministry is the same Holy Spirit who was assigned to resurrect him. And he's the same Holy Spirit that he said he was going to pray to the Father because when you begin to look at the Gospel of John in John chapter 14, Jesus Christ begins to introduce this concept of the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm, 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 I'm going away, but I'm not leaving you as orphans because orphans have no covering. Orphans have no protection. But I'm going to pray the Father to send you another, 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 another helper. In the Greek, Paracletus. An equivalent of me who is going to come and dwell in you and be with you. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit in you. The Holy Spirit is the agent of regeneration in the lives of believers. That's why everyone, and I mean everyone, needs to be born again to be fully alive in Jesus Christ. In talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ says, or he says that the world cannot receive him. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not for the world. The Holy Spirit is for the church. The Holy Spirit is for the believers. 
Oh, but make no mistake, he's working in the lives of every person. Stirring them up, bringing about conviction. But the, the world cannot receive, a person that is unredeemed cannot receive the Holy Spirit. But when they become redeemed because they've acknowledged that they are sinful by nature. And that Jesus Christ is the only one that died to bring about salvation from sin. The state of sin. The condition of sin. Not just sinful acts. The state of sin. That's what he broke. That power is broken. It's broken. And the process has been simplified. All you have to do is faith in Jesus Christ. Acknowledge him. And bam, immediately, you're ushered in. So if you're here today, and you've never made this personal commitment, you've never made this personal commitment, and therefore you have not fully come alive, And you could, here's the thing, you could even be, be part of the gathering for some time now. Just coming and going and coming and going, but never, ever really made the personal commitment. Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. Not my neighbor, not my mother, not my father. Not I, it's me, a sinner. I am a sinner. I am a sinner in need of you as a savior. You've never made that personal commitment. Made, never made that. This is the moment. So we're going to close our eyes. And we are going to, we're going to pray together. All right? We're going, to, we're going to close our eyes. And we're going to pray this prayer. Because the Bible says this in Romans 10.9. It says that um, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God has raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth. He says you'll be saved if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart on the Lordship of Christ. You believe in your heart there's an inward conviction. And this inward conviction then has led to this outward expression. There's an inward conviction. You believe in your heart of who Jesus is and what he has done because of you, because of your sins. It's your sins, it's my sins that nailed him to the cross. Now you come to the place where you believe Jesus Christ. You are the Lord and the Savior of humanity. And I want to acknowledge you as such. When you do that, the Bible says that you will be saved. Because in your heart you believe. It leads to conviction. With your mouth you confess and it leads to salvation. And then everything else is the work of the Holy Spirit from there on us. I want us to pray this prayer. I want us to pray to speak out these words. Simple and yet profound and the words go like this. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you as Savior of humanity. That you died for the sins of humanity. And I am a sinner in need of you as my Savior. 
I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. And I renounce all the sinful ways to embrace you from this day onwards. Thank you for accepting me as your child. I pray this in Jesus' name. To anyone that has prayed that prayer today as every eye is still closed and heads about down. To anyone that has prayed this prayer today for the very first time. If you're here. I just want to ask you to just lift your hand. Just raise your hand if you're here. Pray that prayer for the very first time. And the reason for, for this is very simple. It's not so as to put you on a blast, but just to acknowledge that you've made this decision for the very first time. And we want to come alongside you and journey with you and help you in this process. We want to disciple you as a new believer. If there's anyone watching online, and as a result of this message, you've made this commitment, reach out, send us a message. We'll get in contact, and we'll take you on this journey together. And I'm sensing in my spirit that I need to make another appeal, and this appeal is to somebody who's been walking with the Lord, but you've, you've backslidden, you've fallen by the wayside due to the pressures of life, the challenges of life. And you, you know in your heart of hearts that uh, uh, it's, not, it's not the same anymore. You're not in that spot of communion with the Lord as you first were when you stepped out. I'm not here to embarrass you. If it's you, would you please also just show by hand. Show by hand. Thank you for your honesty. I see those hands. God's grace, my sister and brother, is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. Today, you can dedicate your life to him. And you know how you used to talk to him. Just get back into that place. And just be honest with him. Lord, it's me. I drifted. I was drawn away by all the things of life. But it's you I desire. It's you I desire. Thank you today. We're going to get our worship team to, to lead us in song as we, as we end. Um, but uh, if you want to, to receive prayer, the pastors are here. We're going to pray with you and for you. But for now, we just get the team to. I'm going to ask us to stand together, friends. Thank you, Jesus.